So good to have you with us this morning. If it's your first time here, welcome. We love you. Um, and uh, great to have you here worshiping with us. Um, this is interesting, kicking VBS off. Um, uh, our, our kind of our, our normal way of doing things here is we're usually preaching through a book of the Bible or a chapter. Um, and so we're preaching through Hebrews chapter 11, which is, you might want to turn me down just a hair, Jeremy. Um, we're preaching through the uh, um, book of Hebrews chapter 11. I'll get it out in a minute. It's the hall of faith. And so we're going through all these Old Testament characters that just had tremendous faith. And I, I told Chris this week as we were getting ready, I was like, so it works out that we're kicking off VBS with Rahab the harlot. Um, and so we're on, we're on Hebrews chapter eleven thirty one. So last night, like I was praying, I was thinking, I was like, maybe I should go read Jonah after I saw the stage. It's like maybe I should preach on Jonah tomorrow since I got all these bubbles and uh, and uh, one of these jellyfish. Is that what this is? Um, all this stuff around me. And uh, so I actually did go read Jonah. I was like, no. It's like this is a message God's got in my heart, um, and it, it's a simple message. And, uh, and it blessed me as I preached it to myself. I want you to know I do that every week. Like this message, me first. Um, and then I share it with you all. And it blessed me the truth that, that we find in the story. So I want to share that story uh, with you this morning. And we're in Hebrews 11.31. Um, I'm going to have that verse on the screen. We're going to spend most of our time in Joshua chapter 2 where the story actually takes place. But I want you to think about this. I'm going to come down here for just a second. Can you all see me? Right, I'm going to stand here just for a second. I want you to imagine Hebrews 11 is like a museum. All right, You're going through this, this hall of faith of the people in Hebrews chapter 11 that the writer of Hebrews is writing and saying uh, to Jewish people who have, have accepted Jesus by faith but are tempted to always turn back to kind of their legalistic ways and to think, I, 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 yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm really saved because I, I was good today or because I'm a descendant of Abraham. Like they still wanted to, to hedge their salvation on some of those things. And he's saying, listen, this, the, the, the ultimate high priest has come. Jesus Christ is your connection to heaven. You don't have to work it out anymore. And so in doing that, Hebrews 11, he says, actually, let me tell you about all the people you love in the past. They actually, all the things they did, it was all by faith, actually. Um, and so, so he starts, you imagine you're going through this museum, and he, he talks about Abel, and then, then he talks about Noah, and you're seeing these exhibits of the people you know that would be there. And then, and then you come to Abraham, and you're like, yeah, Abraham should be in this hall of faith. Uh, and then you see the story of Moses and you, and you see the story of, of Jacob and Joseph and all these people. And then you get to Hebrews eleven thirty one, and it's kind of like the last one in this, this list that he takes time to speak about. And in Hebrews eleven thirty one, you come to Rahab. And Rahab is the only one he gives a label or a title to in this whole passage. Nobody else has Moses the... Or Abraham, the nobody else has a label. But we get to Hebrews 11.31 and it says, By faith, Rahab the prostitute. By faith, Rahab the prostitute. And as I was reading that, it's almost like the writer of Hebrews is like, Yeah, yeah, I know they're going to agree in all these. And then the title of the sermon today is Even Rahab. 
even Rahab. Like he gets to the end, he's like, yeah, I know y'all are going to agree about Moses and Abraham and Jacob and all these people, but let me tell you one more. Even Rahab the prostitute by faith was saved when everyone else in the city was destroyed because she showed kindness to the spies. So look at your neighbor and say, even Rahab. That was weak. You don't like your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, even Rahab? Even Rahab. That's pretty good. So you may not know the story of Rahab, so we got to go there. you got to understand the context of this, okay? you got to understand, how does she end up in this museum, in this hall of faith, in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 11? How does Rahab end up here? So let's go back to Joshua 2. Y'all want to go to Joshua 2 with me and hear the story just for a minute? Let's... 1131, this is a verse I just quoted to you. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. That's Hebrews 1131. She's got one verse there. She's got a whole chapter in Joshua. I don't have all those verses on the screen because you'd get confused, and I would too. We're going to do the old-fashioned. I got a Bible. I'm going to read from it. Is that all right? Can y'all hang with me for just a little bit? So we're going to read in Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. Just for a minute, for context, two weeks, we t- two weeks ago we talked about the walls of Jericho. If you were here, we talked about overcoming obstacles. This is before they had approached Jericho and the walls had fallen. This happens before that story. Why it's backward, I don't know. But that's the way it was, and so that's the way we're preaching it. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Joshua knows he is leading the children of Israel into the promised land, and Jericho's the thing in between them and the promised land. He knows God has already told him, I'm going to give you Jericho. He sends these two spies into Jericho, and as we read on, we're going to find out that Rahab's house was built into the wall that's built around Jericho. So they they basically just get through the gate, and somebody spots them, obviously, because the king says he sends messengers to Rahab's place and say, hey, somebody told me there's two spies here from the nation of Israel. They're here to scout out everything. Have you seen them? All right, so the two spies get through the gate. They stay at Rahab the prostitute's house. They stay at Rahab's house. Uh, Verse 4, or verse 2, But someone told the king Jericho, Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So So the king sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Verse 4, Rahab, Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I know where they went. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she laid out. 
So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Two men, two spies come into Jericho. They stay with Rahab. King, somebody sees them. They tell the king. King sends uh, messengers there. Rahab, you know, of honor and dignity, starts out with a lie here. Straight, bold-faced lie. They come and say, hey, are those guys here? And she's taking them up to the roof, and she's got them hit up. And they're like, no, I think they went that way. All right, that was her response. And uh, so you might say, well, is it okay to lie? Well, if the only other alternative is having two of God's children murdered, probably the lie is the thing that gives God the most glory. So it's a difficult place, uh, but she chose to protect these two spies. As you read in on, this, on down in this story, we find that Rahab, um, after she sends the king's men off, she goes up on the roof to have a conversation. She goes up on the roof to have a conversation with the two spies. And I want you to hear that conversation starting in verse 8. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land. I want you to listen to these words, okay, from Rahab. I know the Lord, all caps. She's already acknowledging the God of Israel. I know the Lord has given you this land. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Here Rahab does something that God calls us to do all the time. She made a decision that went against the culture. See, everybody in this town of Jericho had heard this story. She said, we've all heard about what the God of Israel did. We heard about the Red Sea and how you, it split and you came across on dry land. And we, we've heard about these other towns God has given you and you completely destroyed. And you see, everybody in Jericho had heard the same message. And we, we find here a little insight into what was going on probably when the nation of Israel, when they started walking around the walls doing what God had told them to do, they were probably laughing and scared at the same time because they, they knew the power of Israel. And some of you may know, know the power of God, but have not uh, accepted it and joined his team. And this is what Rahab had to do. She had to make a decision that went against her family, went against her culture, went against her community. It wasn't the cool thing to do. It wasn't, wasn't going to make her popular. It wasn't going to give her notoriety. It's actually the thing that it put her life on the line. And she had to choose what to do. She made this decision. She made a different decision than her neighbor's. Okay, sometimes that's hard to do. 
Sometimes it's hard to make the different decision from your friends, from your other students if you go to school, from your coworkers, from your family. Maybe your family's totally against Jesus and church. And, and God is speaking into you saying, I want you to make your own decision about who I am. And see, Rahab made this decision, and it made all the difference in the world. In James 2.24, in the verses that lead into this, this truth that James shares with us, it says, faith without works is dead. We know that Paul teaches in Romans, we know that salvation, being saved, God's grace, comes only through faith. Faith that leads to repentance saves anybody who walks into it. No background, no baggage, nothing matters. Rahab's background doesn't matter. Where she's been, who she is, what she's done doesn't matter. By faith. James takes us one more step and says, Genuine faith begins to produce good works and good deeds. James never says uh, that, that salvation without works is dead. James is not teaching us that we've got to work our way into being saved. He's saying genuine faith will show in the fruit in your life. Like it begins, this, these good works and these good deeds and this thing that our church has just a heart to not just share the truth of the gospel, but to be the proof of it in the community to do good works and good deeds. Like I think that even the most skeptical believer of Jesus should be able to look at the body of the church and say, but we are better off because they exist. They should be able to say, I want you to think about this town that we're in, Pikeville. If you think two of the most, the anchor institutions here, what would they be? College and the hospital, university and the hospital. Did government, did man start either one of those? Who started the university? Presbyterians. Who started the hospital? Like the two things we have here that we say that I'm thankful for the Methodist that came here and started that. Like anybody can say that walks in and gets the care from that hospital. It was started by faith. The university was started by faith, by people who weren't even from here but cared enough to take the risk and come here and start something to bless people regardless of what they believe to just be a blessing. James 2.24, when he says faith without works is dead, he uses Abraham as his first example, and then he goes to Rahab. 2.24, he says, so you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath. If you wonder why your faith is weak, when's the last time you served? Faith without good works is dead. It's just like, um, you know, I don't have Devin here as an example this morning, but he has, you know, he, he doesn't look like me. Uh, he's got muscles. I mean, I've got some. I won't be able to walk around. They're just not as prevalent. 
But I can have them and not exercise them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you can have faith serving, washing feet, not literally, literally sometimes, but figuratively washing your neighbor's feet. The person who doesn't care, like taking care, serving is how you exercise your faith and grow it. And so we find here in, in this story in Rahab that even James says that it was, it, she had faith. And because of her faith, she did this. She gave the spies. She welcomed them. And then she hid them and she protected them. Here's what happens next, Rahab. What, what we like to do sometimes is cut a deal with God and say, if you'll do this, I'll do this. We'll say, hey, if you, if you heal me, if you get me out of the hospital, you know, you get in that spot, you get me out of this, God, I'll trust you. I'll do, I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you restore my relationship or my marriage or, 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 or you fix this thing in my, my, my relationship with this person, then, then I'll do this. If you bless my business, if you'll get me out of this financial strait that I'm in, if you just get me through this, I'm in. But see, Rahab did the total opposite. She had no idea what the outcome was going to be. She had not heard that if I protect these spies, if I put my life on the line, then I'm going to be saved. She didn't know that at first. She put it all out. And then God blessed her. See, if you're not finding that strength in your faith and the blessing of God showing up in your life, maybe it's, not, it's because you're walking by sight instead of by faith. And so she walked by faith. She did, the, she did that first. She went all in, laid it all on the line, put her life on the line, and then she started to cut the deal. You probably don't want to cut a deal with God ever, really. But there's a, there's a principle here that says God wants our faith first, and then he'll take care of everything else. And that's what happened with Rahab. You can read on down the, in the story um, and find that, um, that after she talks to him and she says, you're... God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging. From the window through which you let us down, and all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault, but if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. Rahab replies and says, I accept your terms. It's a deal. I've protected you. You've promised me if I won't betray you, if I leave this cord hanging here, bring my family in this house, we'll be saved. She says, I accept the terms. She sent them on their way, left the scarlet rope 
hanging from the window. When you go to Joshua 6, where we read the story of the walls of Jericho and the nation of Israel walking around once per day for six days, then seven times on the final day, they blow the trumpets and they shout. Everybody shout. Remember we did that? Y'all shouted with me? And they shouted as loud as they could. And the walls fell. I'd never really thought about this until I was studying this week, but, but Rahab's house was built into the wall. So like everything fell and was destroyed. But it's somewhere on the circumference of that town, there was a little wall that stood. A little wall stood just because of Rahab's faith. Hebrews 11.31 says, By the faith of Rahab, she was spared. She was saved. And I thought about that, and as the, 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 those two spies, they kept their word. They came, and they looked, and they found the crimson cord, and they found Rahab's house, and they took her to a safe place. And there's an amazing story here because it's beautiful because I said earlier that, that, that Rahab, the prostitute, gave her a label from the beginning. I told Beth this week, I said, labels don't matter. She said, well, what about medicine? I was like, oh, God, you're right. They matter in medicine, but they don't matter on people. <laughs> Who watched Poison last night? Got a few. See, I knew y'all. That's good. Having fun. You don't want to eat poison and actually be medicine. I don't know. That really didn't connect at all. But <laughs> um, I know there was, we, we parked cars out here last night. Uh, the youth group did. We did as a fundraiser. We have concerts over here. And there's one still there this morning. <laughs> So, somebody had fun last night somewhere. Rahab gets taken to this place of safety and with Israel, all right? She, she's rescued. She's been saved. Her family's been saved. She goes, she gets taken to this. She, she's moved, she moves from a, 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 a prostitute to a proselyte. Someone who, the nation of Israel, they accept this Gentile person into their family, into their faith. And, and something incredible happens because not only is she accepted, if you read the entire Bible, you find that she's mentioned several times. Uh, you find that Rahab actually, uh, uh, there's, a, there's an astute Jewish person by the name of Salmon, or Salmon, it's got an L in it. I'm going to call him Salmon because he's a human being, so we're going to pronounce his L. Salmon becomes her husband. Her and Salmon uh, have a son. You've got to imagine Salmon is an astute Israelite, marries this Canaanite prostitute from Jericho, okay, who's repented, who's turned her life, given it all to God by faith. She's a totally new person. She's not only been forgiven, she's been cleansed. And, and so he, he marries her, and they have a son named Boaz. And, and if you know the story in the Old Testament, their, their son Boaz becomes a, a wealthy farmer. And, and, uh, and at one point in his life, he looks out in his fields, and, and there's this, this, this widow that, that is just struggling and picking up the scraps of what's left in the field. And her name is Ruth. Okay, and he says, and he becomes her husband. He marries her. 
Boaz and Ruth have a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named King David. Okay, so we're talking about Rahab here being the great-great-grandmother of King David. You see, even Rahab can not just be saved, but she has a use and a purpose. And so sometimes we want to put labels on people, and I usually don't preach from down here. I kind of like it. I see you all. Um, but even Rahab has not just been saved, but she has a purpose. And in this, we find uh, this reality that even with her label, and so God uses people we're inclined to reject. All right, there, There's going to be people all around you that you, you write off before you even hear a word out of their mouth. And sometimes it's, you know, it's what you would think. It's the homeless person. Sometimes it's your neighbor that's just got all the money in the world. They've got like three boats, two houses, and, and all the new cars and all the new things, and they've never thought about going to church. They don't give, they don't give God a thought because they've got all the money in the world that they feel like that can save them and protect them. You think, man, it'd take a lot for God to get to that person. You write, we write them off. Or maybe it's the coworker or somebody you work with that's like just... Uh, all they talk about is their next date. Y'all have those people? Like the next date. And sometimes the person they're going on a date with is married. Like, am I being real? And somebody went, that's me? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Maybe you did. And we think that person, I write them off. All they care about is relationship. They're looking for love in all the right places and value and worth. And they're doing all the wrong stuff. Man, if they just get their life right and, and you know, get married, marry a good Christian guy or girl. And, and they could start coming to church. That could be a good Christian. Like if they just do that. Sometimes it's the, the addict in your family. The person's just just been in addiction for so long, you've written them off. You think, man, if they could just get cleaned up long enough to go to church and, and get saved and never do that again, if we could just do that. And so you can put those labels in. We could say even Rahab, we could say even the addict, even, even, even the person obsessed with wealth, even the, the person obsessed with the other relationship and, and, and things in all the wrong places and wrong ways. And maybe in school, your students, your high school, maybe the kids that are just all about drinking on the weekends and that's all they care about and you're just saying that's man just write them off but even them but here's the hardest thing here's what we do the most we label other people but if we're honest and this is where it hit me this week we label ourselves it's probably easy for me to get you to say even those people, some people are nodding like, yeah, even those people, man, if they, they don't have to get anything right, they just got to have faith. They just need to come to Jesus. Because you see, when Jesus looks at Pikeville, he only sees two groups of people. Those who have come unto him and those who have not. Those who have come unto him and those who have not. We had all kinds of labels outside of that and beyond that. But this is where it hit me this week. It was when I realized that the gospel is not for your neighbor. It's for you. When I realized 
is for me. When I'm not just saying even those people. When I say even Jared. Can I get you there with me right now just for a minute? See, even me, it's a total mess. Like, I got all kinds of stuff. You don't have enough time to hear about it. But even Jared can be saved and have purpose. Look around this room. You can put your own name in that place, and we could just say even Montana, even Bethany, my wife, even Danny, even Megan, even Kevin. We could say we put our name in that place. And we say that even me and all my brokenness and all the things I've done in my past and all the, the things that I regret and all the things that I wish I wouldn't have done and, and all the things. Because you see, Jesus, I've been reading this book called Gentle and Lowly, and it's about Jesus' heart. And there's a chapter in it about Jesus' happiness because he said when he was going to the cross, he, he, he looked at the joy that was set before him. And it talked about what makes Jesus really happy. And I used to think, man, if I want to make Jesus really happy, I need to be as good as I can be. I need to live righteously. And, and yes, that's pleasing to him. But he, he did not go to the cross for us to try to live righteously. And so they give this illustration like this doctor that goes to the third world country and, and you know, he, he's independently wealthy. He goes as a volunteer and, and he gets there. And let, let's use Jody for an example. He's an eye doctor. He goes to this third world country. And he, he wants to go, and he's there volunteering, and he wants to heal people's eyes. And, and he gets there, and, and he's waiting for people to come, and they're all like, no, I went and got some Visine at Walgreens. Like, I, I, I'm good. And he's like, no, you got, what's an eye disease? <laughs> Molecular degeneration. <laughs> I don't know. There is nothing that is going to warm Jody's heart any more than a line of people coming to him. Jesus came to the cross. The greatest joy he has is when you lay down all the barriers you put up, all the pretense all the pretend, all the putting on airs, and lay it all down at his feet and come unto him. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, even you. I want you to look up and say, even me. I want to share you with you one last thought because Rahab's faith it was saving it was selfless it was cleansing she made it into Hebrews 11 not because of her status or label but in spite of it she was remembered because of her faith there will come a time we all stand and I said there's two groups of people, those who have come into him and those who have not. And it's not 
you, you can't read this story and not see Jesus in it in the crimson rope. They knew her house simply. She was saved simply because by faith she just did what she said and there was a, a blood red rope hanging there. When we come to the end of this life, we have one hope and it is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Have we come unto him and trusted him, given him our entire life and put it all in him? One commentator said this, Joshua would, would be a savior for Rahab, but a judge for the rest of Jericho. In the same way, Jesus is a savior for those who trust him, but a judge for those who reject him. It's simple. It's so simple. I think, think about Rahab and that cord and all that was going on. You think she guarded it? I mean, I can, I can see me saying, don't touch that cord. <laughs> Guard your faith. Exercise your faith. Love your neighbor. Serve. Grow. And remember that even Jared. God, as we get ready to close... Uh, this morning oh we are so thankful for your grace so thankful uh, the way you speak through your word so thankful uh, that you lived the life of righteousness and fulfilled the law that we cannot so thankful that you've invited us into your family that you just have a hunger and a hope for us to come unto you and surrender. And let us just live the rest of our days here in that posture of surrender to you. And um, God, we just ask all of this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen.